and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practice and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these difficult times. I'm Marie Kemplay, the Banker's Investment Banking and Capital Markets Editor, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Hasina Pai, Head of Impact Finance Solutions at Societe Generale. And we'll be discussing the role of impact finance in supporting the transition to a sustainable economy. Thanks so much for joining me today, Hasina. Thank you for having me. And obviously, the world of ESG is a, is a fast evolving one and with many developing concepts within it. So let's start with, you know, a kind of opening one of what is impact finance in a nutshell? Can you give us some practical examples, perhaps, to illustrate it? Yeah, sure. So let me start with positive impact finance. And, you know, it means that you have a positive impact on one of the pillars of the development. So uh, that means a positive impact on economy or on the planet or on the social side. If you have positive impact through the actions, through the projects that you're developing, then the following question is, do you have negative impact and what are they? You know, negative impacts can be displacement of population, can be trouble on the environment, can be many different things that will disturb the surroundings of your project. And the question, once you have identified these negative impacts, is how do you mitigate them? Now, if you have a project, you have identified positive impact on a pillar of development, and you have properly managed the negative impact, you can label it positive impact finance. There is another aspect about impact finance that is impact-based finance, which is different. It's a step further because the idea there is not only to see what impacts you're generating, is to understand all the impacts that can surround your project, kind of collateral damages, if you want. Once you have assessed all the impacts that will derive from the establishment of your project, the idea is to see whether you can monetize them. And if you can monetize them, if they bring additional value around your project to other stakeholders, maybe you will find stakeholders that are happy to contribute to the development of your own project because they know it will have positive impact in the future. You may find that um, you will have NGOs or you will have some impact funds or you will have stakeholders that have an interest in supporting your project once the impact is realized and concrete and you can show that it happened and you can measure it according to terms that you will have decided in advance. So you see, this impact-based financing is, I mean, it looks, it, it is simple in a way. It looks revolutionary, but it's just like, look around and don't just shut down an opportunity because it's not according to the usual standards. Open up and see how much the impact can be monetized. It sounds like it's an evolving and very important area. And as you say, on the face of it, <laughs> relatively simple, but also a lot of complex things going on there. And I guess an interesting question for me is how the events of 2020 and COVID-19 played into to all of that. You know, what, what kind of impact has that had on the demand for these financing solutions? COVID-19 has an accelerating effect on many different trends on ESG in general, but on on the impact, uh, we see that we could accelerate the acceptance, the understanding of this impact, because we need to find solutions, because people now think that 
a lot of unfairness uh, in emerging countries, but, but not only. There is a lot of imbalances that need to be solved because it's not acceptable. And on the social side, of course, access to basic infrastructure, um, more development on the health sector. And, and so globally, I think we'll, uh, we'll have an uplift in all of that. When, when you think about um, access to health today, people will design a huge hospital in a capital city in an emerging country, which is nice, based on sovereign funds. But maybe the need is, is much bigger and, and it's not acceptable just to have this beautiful infrastructure in the capital city. People will want everywhere in the regions to have access to health. But if you think about it, access to health does not mean hospital. You can have some smaller uh, edifices you can have uh, with the digital uh, solutions. You, you can have, you know, uh, med medicine, telemedicine. You can have a lot of different health solutions than just this huge big hospital. The same applies with education. Do you need a big university or do you need access to education, which can be done through a MOOC, for example, which can be done with a professor that is based thousands of kilometers from you. But because you have this access to electricity first and then to connection, uh, connections to the network, to the internet, and then, uh, you know, the video capacity, then the whole paradigm changes. You can have your access to education with different infrastructures. This is all what impact is about. You think about what you really need in the end, what is the impact you're looking for, not big infrastructure. So that's in a way, again, is a kind of revolution because a government, instead of issuing an RFP for a big building, will issue an RFP based on what they really need for their population. And that means that Different actors, new actors with new tools, digitalization and other, can come with more flexible, agile, cheaper, easier uh, solutions. That's such an important point. You know, you said the word revolution there. And, and you know, it strikes me to, to your point that for businesses and other organizations, governments who would like to engage with this agenda, it, it requires a, a kind of change, a significant change of mindset to reprioritize potentially positive impact versus, you know, financial considerations and other considerations. Talk me through what, what are the different things that businesses and governments, any organization would need to weigh up with before kind of engaging with this agenda. Yeah, I think it's a very important point that you have there. And I am quite optimistic that people are not going to think, oh, that's too much. Uh, it would be nice to have, but you know what, uh, it's, it's too much for us to, to think about and to change. I think that every institution is starting to engage on, on this path because ESG and impacts more precisely are going to be a must-have. Well, you know, I think at some point that will come down for companies to the notion of license to operate. The stakeholders of a company that could be the employees who don't want to work for them anymore. That could be, uh, of course, consumers that are going to, to really be picky because they want to make sure about the way the products have been produced. Has it been fair? Has it respected social uh, considerations? Has it not been traveling around the planet? So I think if you want to keep as an institution over the long term, 
your license to operate, you'd better start. And a lot of companies have understood that. It's not about just, you know, the glowing effect of the short term. It's about managing the future of your own institution. That your own institution is future-proof, if I may say, is, is sustainable in the world. That's, that's what it means. And I see a lot of our clients now have communicated on their purpose. Well, if you think about that, if you read the purpose, it's a very interesting exercise, by the way, Reading the purpose of company in the end, you will understand what impact they want to have on society and on their ecosystem. Maybe it's not using the word impact, but that's exactly what it means. So it's not about just I sell that product that does that. It's that the way I do it, the way I sell it, the way I can re, you know, recycle it, everything. I, I am just a part of a bigger chain in a better world, and this is how I contribute. And everybody is going to judge me, not only my shareholders, but all my stakeholders. And if I'm not really doing well, I have to do well, but I have to do good in reality. And if I'm not doing good, it's not enough, okay? So it's, it's, a, it's more of a long-term view, but I think we are all on this path. Some fascinating uh, topics there, Hasina. Thank you for sharing your views and experiences with us. That's all we've got time for, unfortunately, for this podcast, but you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast, and follow our discussions at thebanker.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.